You are rolling with Jason and John, 92.9 FM ESPN. Yes, we should come into a day worthy of applause, especially when you saw the news first from the Daily Memphian big news and some great reporting uh, from the Daily Memphian on the facilities front here in Memphis. Uh, comes to us from Sam Hardiman of the Daily Memphian. Fred! Fred! I'm thinking about old James Brown when he used to call to his band leader, Fred Wesley, the <laughs> horn player. Fred! Mm. Fred Smith, ladies and gentlemen, uh, FedEx Corporation founder, savior. When you're at your, uh, you're talking to your pastor uh, at, at church or uh, you're talking over your family Thanksgiving dinner yeah. on Thursday, and we're talking about, you know, you go around mm-hmm. the table, you say things that you're grateful for. Of course. Maybe you have a little little spot there for Fred. I got a spot for Fred. Fred Smith yeah. saves the day. Between the turkey. Um, yeah. Still more work to be done. As Jeff Calkins has so articulately pointed out yes. on his show before before me here, um, and in a column over at the Daily Memphian that I suggest you read as well, in addition to Sam Hardiman's uh, story. But big news that certainly looks like it could end this. You know, it's the first steps towards ending what had been a, a little bit of a public, you know, tug of war over the three hundred fifty million dollars in cash the state's given you for both facilities, Simmons Bank and FedEx Forum. Uh, Fred Smith saw a problem. And he came with his wallet. We love it when he does that. We absolutely yes. love it. We're grateful for Fred Smith as a city. There's no question about that. Uh, last night on Monday Night Football, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs suffered their first home loss in November uh, or later in the season in five years. Yeah, you don't see that often. Philly wins 21-17. Um, man, did drops cost the Chiefs last night. We probably should be talking about a Chiefs win if old Valdez, Exxon Valdez, uh, I Scantling. I thought of you when I he saw that. He had a spill, didn't he? Yeah, Should have caught that touchdown. Yeah. Chiefs win that game, and that's what we're talking about in here is the Chiefs making a, the best team in the AFC, making a statement. Instead, mm. Philly gets the win 21-17 after a tough start. Jalen Hurts looks pretty good in the second half. We will talk about what that means in terms of the NFL. Uh, 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 real quick, a little bit more NFL news. The Steelers did something they haven't done since 1941 earlier today. We will talk about that. Back here at home, I'm getting tired of talking about this because, Brad, it feels like the hits just keep on coming for the Grizzlies who will be without two more players. We found that out after our show yesterday for an extended period of time. Uh, that's in addition to Marcus Smart being out. Yeah. Uh, they just keep getting thinner and thinner. We'll discuss that. We know the next one's uh, tomorrow against the Houston Rockets, an old Dylan Brooks, an old friend. And then we are about, if I've got my math correct, 29 hours out from the University of Memphis basketball team's battle for Atlantis opener against Michigan, a 3-1 and Michigan team. Such an important opportunity. Uh, this week for uh, Penny Hardaway's Memphis Basketball Tigers. And, of course, he'll be back on the sidelines uh, tomorrow after serving that three-game suspension. I mentioned Rick Stansberry threw him a respect burger for the pro job he did getting the Memphis to 3-0. and uh, Before we get to all that, let's set up the show. 11 or 30 or so, we'll talk to Grind City Media's Jessica Benson, host of the Jessica Benson Show with C.J. Hurt. Also nice. host of the Grizzlies pre- and post-game shows here on 929 FM ESPN. We'll get her take on this facilities news, on the, the savior in this situation that appears to be, that is Fred Smith, uh, the Grizzlies injury news, a little bit about Dylan Brooks and the matchup with the uh, Rockets, all things Grizzlies when we talk with Jessica Benson. And at 125, we'll talk to the great Trista Crick of BetMGM tonight, host of Heat Check 2 with Trista Pot with Trista Crick. NBA podcast is available on the Odyssey app. Uh, we'll talk to her about the Grizzlies issues and the league at large. So lots to get to. I figured, Brad, good way to do it. Let's do a little cap or no cap. Cap. It means lion, but 
spelled different. Now, it's cap. I'm going to say cap. For no cap. I'm going to say that that's no cap. On 92.9's Jason and John Show. Let's start with the big news. Uh, Fred Smith has saved the day in the city of Memphis Stadium Arena conundrum. Is that cap or no cap, Jason? Feels like no cap. And for those that are just getting to the radios or hadn't heard the news or yet read the news over at the Daily Memphian, I believe Commercial Appeals not got a story up, but uh, shout out as a former newspaper guy to the reporting of the Daily Memphian. They were way out ahead yeah. on this one. Uh, Sam Hardiman reports to us that the city of Memphis, aided by a $50 million donation from FedEx Corporation founder Fred Smith and his family, could transfer ownership of Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium to the University of Memphis Foundation and infuse... $120 million in state money into stadium renovations. The city, U of M, and the Smith family told the Daily Memphian. The Smith family donation, uh, this is the key, frees up cash for Fred, FedEx Forum's renovations and was pledged with the intent that it, quote, unlocks both stadium deals. The deal still needs to get uh, Memphis City Council approval. Uh, they're getting briefed this morning, and the vote could be coming in a couple of weeks. From Calkins' column, he did a great job uh, complimenting the news piece from Sam Hardiman in terms of breaking this thing down. The Tigers are still going to need to raise $50 million in matching funds. Remember, this is going to come from that 350. Tigers are going to take now 120. Remember the public spat it and the Tigers saying, hey, well, we're going to take 200 of this and bye-bye. We're going to put that in the Simmons Bank and what? that's only going to leave the Grizzlies 150 and a lot more to make up. That was never going to work. And so now you're sitting there with that 350. Tigers now going to take 120 because of what Fred Smith has done. Put the 50 million from Fred on top of that and still have got to raise 50 million on their own to get to $220 million worth of renovation, $220 million worth of renovation money for Simmons Bank to have that thing ready. We were just talking about you know, the, the renderings of it that they're showing already on the video board uh, in Saturday's game. Mm-hmm. That money now uh, can go completely towards the stadium, and it frees money up for the Grizzlies. Now, there is still... Uh, the Grizzlies say they need $550 million in renovations now, according to Hardiman's math. So there's about 335 currently available for FedEx form out of this new deal. So there, there's a gap to be made up, about $139.5 million, And that's where, you know, Paul Young, the, the, the mayor-elect, is going to have to go back to the state. Uh, hotel, motel, tax, does para come in like Fred Smith has done and maybe throw in a little bit more. Uh, but the point is that now we can sort of move off the standoff and at least take the steps toward both being on the same page. And you've seen, uh, you know, the, the, the evidence of that, obviously, is the fact that both Memphis and the Grizzlies have released statements saying, listen, this is the plan. And the Grizzlies, who we know had all the leverage, certainly, uh, in this battle, uh, the Grizzlies have released a statement saying, we, you know, we, we agree with this plan so far. Again, a lot more still to unfold. Fold, but um, you know, I thought particularly Richard Smith's quote, um, and this is in Hardiman's story again over at the Daily Memphian. Sort of, it, it, it really tells the tale. Here, here's what he said: As we watched the situation unfold with the state funding that had been allocated, we didn't like the choice that our community was being forced to make between the funding of these two projects. Really breaks it down. So when we were presented with this conundrum, and I discussed it with my father, obviously his father Fred, he did what he's prone to do. He stepped up, and we felt that a private substantial contribution could be a difference, a big difference maker here, and that would really be what unlocks the deal. Uh, like we said, still got to get city council approval. Uh, the Grizzlies still have more money to make up, but we had talked about it. There wasn't enough in terms of to go around. And, you know, uh, when has Fred Smith, uh, when called upon or seen an issue, uh, not 
Oh yeah, this guy every pulled out, you every know, turn. Not not gone to the to the, to the wallet and helped yeah. out. I mean, I I realize you know I, I guess you could point to you know sort of their backing of Memphis in terms of trying to get into a power conference and that necessarily hasn't worked. Right. But you can't put that on on FedEx. You've had you've had their support. Yeah. Now again, in other projects projects, the naming rights to FedEx Forum, they swooped in there. Uh, you've got them here throwing fifty million dollars at a situation that again had become a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Quite frankly, because you could tell the Grizzlies didn't want to get. You know, it was Memphis that came out first and mm-hmm. said, "We need two hundred million of this three fifty from the state." Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. You know, uh, again, Grizzlies are the ones that could move. Grizzlies are the ones that could be uh, more valuable to Robert Perry if they're in another city. You've got the lease coming up. And so we knew that the Grizzlies had the leverage. But the point was, you know, this was getting uncomfortable in the sense that, you know, you've had sort of Memphis plant its flag and say, we're taking 200 of that. And the Grizzlies just kind of, you know, standing pat and saying, yeah, 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 yeah. But not not getting into a public back and forth. Yet we knew there had to be a solution that they weren't on the same page. And um, it goes back to what, what Fred's son said. They, they saw a conundrum, uh, step up with $50 million here. Again, I like that, you know, what is Memphis's part in this? Uh, they should have to contribute as well. And right, that, again, right. uh, it, will it be a challenge to raise $50 million on their own and match Fred's uh, donation here? Sure, it will mm-hmm. be. Uh, but they absolutely shouldn't. And I think on the other side, if you're talking about the Grizzlies and all the leverage they have, it's that's all true. But you know, and we said this when this first started. I realize, you know, Para and this this organization could be worth so much more somewhere else, and they've got the leverage. But but out of just out of good faith, um, because you've still got to go back to the state and get a yes where you've had a no on this hotel motel tax, right? You're hoping that you're going to get that turned around, and the state will say, well, you know what, they've got things worked out, so let's go ahead and give them that. But if if it comes down to there's more money to make up. Would it not be a good faith thing for Robert Perry to do here when you see Fred Smith stepping up the way he has uh, 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 in a in a it looks like a solution an amicable solution for everyone? You know, if Robert Perry's got to throw in a, a few million, it, hey, I don't you know, I know he's not worth what he was maybe six months ago, but come on, is that yeah? Is, is, is that not you know I I you know I, it, to me it seems appropriate if they get into a situation like that. Well, and I think the two things I am most impressed with this situation is first the $50 million because it feels like cutting a car note in half. If you're like, let's say you get a $30,000 car note yeah. uh, and it, it's like taking it and making it 15 and saying you only got to raise 7,500 in, in normal person terms. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. And you're, you're going to get that stadium done, but the Wexler Grizzlies thing, I give them a lot of credit. I thought that was the big news coming out of this because it seemingly right now they're, they're happy with this. Right, I mean that's a good that's good news. Again, with still money to make up, but now that gap is not as wide. Now right. Fred's come in, uh, taking care of the University of Memphis side, and, and again, I would tell you, I mean, when you see the situation where Fred stepped up, Memphis is doing its part now and having to raise the fifty million. And I tell you, you know, as challenging as that will be for Memphis, you know, when you one thing about. Uh, uh, you know, the folks that have got this kind of money. <laughs> right. If they've already seen half of it thrown in there, right, $50 million from Fred, yeah. I, I just think they're Makes pro- it workable. just a little bit more willing yeah. to go to the pocketbook when you know that you're not the foundation, <laughs> right. right? When, you, yeah. when you, you've, you've already seen someone pitch in. And so hopefully that's going to be uh, some momentum that certainly helps Memphis in that quest. But my point, you've seen Fred yeah. step up. You've seen Memphis is doing its part. You know you've got a short – can you put it all on the state if you're the Grizzlies uh, in the hopes of getting this no on the hotel mm-hmm. motel tax, re, you know, reversed or, or whatever else? Or, you know, hopefully, yes, that works out. Mm-hmm. But if you've got to go, 
you know, throw in a 30 or a 40 or 50 million. I just think at this point it seems appropriate. I know Robert Perry's got it. We'll see how it works out. Uh, like Jeff said, I think the, the most important work is still to be done, but uh, Fred has swooped in here, it feels like, to save the day, and uh, absolutely it feels like. And, and getting everyone on the same page, yeah. you've now taken that step forward to what feels like, like I said, it's going to be a pretty amicable solution. And you'll have both of your facilities yep. upgraded in a major way, in a way that you can feel, uh, obviously, uh, this feels good. This is a this feels is a, really good. This yeah. was good news for Memphis yep. and certainly welcome news uh, that you can read over at the Daily Memphian. Well said. Grizzlies now, their game tomorrow against Dylan Brooks, and the Grizzlies' injury issues are going to keep them out of the playoffs as we look ahead to the playoffs. Is it cap or no cap, Jason? We got some more news. Well, we mentioned um, you know, got Rockets on Wednesday. You said that. Got Dylan Brooks, 12 more without Ja Morant. Uh, and after the Rockets, you've got Phoenix on Friday, Minnesota on Sunday. Uh, but you said we got the news yesterday from the Grizzlies that now Luke Kennard, Xavier Tillman, uh, both dealing with left knee injuries. Uh, the the release from the Grizzlies after further assessment. Luke, it feels like we do this all the time yeah. where we just did it with Marcus Smart where there was an initial uh, Taylor Jenkins telling you, hey, it doesn't look like it's going to be too serious. And then we find out he's out for three to five weeks. Yep. Uh, after further assessment, Luke Kennard will be reevaluated in two weeks as he continues to recover from his left knee bone bruise. Additionally, in connection with his left knee injury recovery, Xavier Tillman Sr. is considered week to week. So it's not good news for a Grizzlies team that you just saw it uh, against the Celtics is starting John Conchar. Um, <laughs> it feels get, very no cap to know, me. Starting John Conchar <laughs> in the backcourt now. Now you've, you've got some options. Jacob Billiard, we'd seen that adjustment. And uh, maybe you do go back to that. Uh, uh, again, in an upcoming matchup where you're going to be, they're going to be a little bit smaller with Van Fleet out there for yeah. Houston. Um, so I'm not sure if Bain and, and, and John Conchar defensively holds up against smaller point guards. Harrington was making that point. I think he's absolutely right. So we could see a change again mm-hmm. in the starting lineup. Who knows? What, we, what, what, what is important, again, if the grid, to go back to what, whether or not this is cap or no cap and these injuries are going to yeah. be too, dig a, uh, too big a hole for the Grizzlies to climb out of, is do you keep getting the same Santi Aldama uh, that you saw on Sunday against the Boston Celtics that's breaking career highs and scoring, uh, field goal attempts, rebounds, and everything else? That is key. Um, I'm going to go here that that the Grizzlies still do make the playoffs, right? The, yeah, uh, how's okay. it phrased? How's it phrased? The Grizzlies' yeah, it, injuries are going to keep, keep them, them out, out of the playoffs. That is, that is cap. That is cap. Wow. Got 12 more without John ja Morant. Um, and I feel no cappy. <laughs> it's, there it's ain't much momentum in terms of how many you, you feel like you can pull out of that. I mean, whether it's uh, you know two, three, four, whatever it is, it's going to be a big hole for John Moran. Yeah. But but I think the thing that gives me some hope is what I've seen recently from Santi Aldama. Okay. Again, that that that's a different level of offensive option. What you've gotten from him mm-hmm. the last couple of games, it opens something up, a, a level of option, you know, a, a, a ceiling that you weren't getting out of Zaire Williams, that you weren't getting out of. We've you've already been through the Jake Laravia thing, you know, when, when anything other than Marcus Smart, you you weren't getting that production. And so having that kind of production from the three, you know, it could be the difference yeah. in getting three or four wins out of these next twelve, possibly. Again. It doesn't feel like they can lose another body. I mean, right, you're, yeah. it's, it's that thin in terms of margin for error when you're talking about now Luke Kennard and, and, and Xavier being out for you know more than just a, a day-to-day situation. But uh, I think with Santi's improvement, uh, and, well, and we're getting FIBA Santi essentially, and uh, you know the fact that you've got 12 more here, uh, I'm just holding out hope, and maybe I'm being too optimistic. But again, oh, at it. least you've got uh, more production in that starting lineup again. You know the, the big answer. The big question now is, what are you going to get from that bench? Yeah. You know, you can't play Derrick Rose on back to backs. 
Um, can you get anything from him from the bench? You know, uh, where's the production going to come from? Because that was the Junior, issue against maybe. the Celtics, especially when well, it's going to have to. Yeah, uh, that's the issue against the Celtics when you're putting Santi Aldama mm-hmm. into the starting lineup. But I want to keep it that way. For now, Santi, yeah. just because, again, at the three spot for now, he's the most productive thing you've got. Um, hopefully it is not too big of a hole. Uh, these injuries just blow after blow coming, uh, that it's going to keep you out of the playoffs. Still got faith in John Morant coming back and making guys better. But it's getting awfully close now. And, again, uh, you know, the hope is what that you can get three or four more out of these uh, out of these 12. That's my hope. I like the optimism. That's good. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, uh, no, seriously, again, we need it. it. Well, it's just it's based on we've seen good things from Santi. You're right. Uh, you cannot afford him or any of your key dogs, Bain or uh, Bain or Jaron. At this point, Brad, Brad your backs it. your backs against the wall. Yep. You just don't have the bodies. Let's go to last night's game. The Philadelphia Eagles are the best team in the NFL. Jason, is that cap or no cap? Uh, it's no cap. Oh. The Philadelphia Eagles are the best team in the NFL and improved to 9-1 and one, uh, last night for the second straight season. They were 9-1 and one last year. They're the first team to do that, win nine of their first ten games to start the year since the 2005 Colts. So what they're doing, uh, pretty impressive. Win 21-17, like we said, over the Kansas City Chiefs. And over the last few weeks, they've knocked off the Dolphins, the Cowboys, the Chiefs on the road. They've got the Bills coming up, 49ers and Cowboys, so it's Mm -hmm. not going to get much easier. Uh, Even the Seahawks here, that game at Seattle, so that's one you can't just chalk up as a W. Hurts did not play well early, and I realize for those uh, listening to me right now, you might have looked at the effort of that Philadelphia team. They were outgained in that game by Kansas City. Uh, Jalen Hurts looked absolutely dreadful in the first half, was sacked five times. Let me tell you something, and I've been saying it. The most impressive thing about Kansas City right now is its defense. Yes. The Steve Spagnolo-led defense that is third. I went back and checked it after uh, after last night. They're third in scoring defense in the NFL behind only the Niners and the Ravens. They've been the most impressive thing about this football team. And they're the reason they beat Miami uh, 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 a couple of weeks ago. Yes. And so that was the thing, again, with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey turning the ball over twice in the in the red zone. It was really that Chiefs defense getting after Jalen Hurts that had them in position to win that game. Before I get to my Eagles point, yes, I know Patrick, even after the Eagles take the lead there late, uh, a lead that they would hold on there till the end, Patrick Mahomes, as great as he is, had a chance to win yeah, that game if uh, if Valdez Scantling catches Got that a leak. deep ball. Got a leak. And then I'm probably saying something different today in terms of whether or not the Eagles are the best team in the NFL. Obviously, the Chiefs representing the best of the AFC. That said, the Eagles found a way. And in, even in getting outgained, they hit the big shot late to Devontae Smith. You know, A.J. Brown had just one catch in that game. Yes. To go he back did not to, have a good game at all. To go back to, yes, the defensive performance by the Chiefs. To shut down AJ Brown, yes, right, and still and, and, and still, win the game. I mean, to to be in position when they shut down AJ Brown that game, but yet Jalen Hurts, who had struggled, mm-hmm. finds Devontae Smith, Smith there late for the big one. Uh, it finally pops for him. He only threw for 150 yards yeah. uh, in that game. Also threw a pick. They find a way again to get it done in a place where. Patrick Mahomes does not lose no. in the month of November. Yeah. And at some point, you've got to tip your hat to that. They, they lose both their offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator in the offseason. They come back, Sirianna replaces those guys. And no, as Jalen Hurts said afterward, they have not played their best football yet and that you look up and they're the first team to win nine out of their first ten uh, in back-to-back seasons since 2005. That's crazy. I mean, to, at, at some point, yeah. you've got to call that the best. Now, again... You know, is Jalen Hurts fully healthy? Is he going to hold up the rest of the season? I have my doubts, especially. It just looks like the way he's crumbling before sacks, 
the way he's not putting his head down, trying to run over mm-hmm. people as he's done in the past, you can tell he is bothered. Um, it's going to be key for them that he is able to hold up. Uh, but that said, man, when they had to get it done, and at the end, when they could not get stops last year of Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, it's why they lost. In the end, they're getting after him, forcing an, uh, 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 an intentional grounding, yep. a fourth and 25 uh, 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 down that, that the Kansas City, frankly, uh, in that situation, they had three drops on that final drive. Even the tight end could have caught the 25-yard uh, heave yeah. by Patrick Mahomes on last down. You know, five drops. Both of them. them Kelsey missed a a ball in the middle of the field. Kelsey missed a ball and fumbled. They had five drops in that game and three of them on the final drive. I could easily be talking about a KC win here. And and KC is certainly in the conversation for best team in the NFL. But I can't give it to them right now. They've got a defense that's Super Bowl caliber, but an offense where drops have cost them all season long. I think it's 26 on the season uh, for them uh, in terms of team drops. And so uh, last night, Patrick Mahomes makes all the right throws. Uh, except for that interception in the end zone, and, and did enough for his team to win. Uh, because of these drops that have played them all season, they're not able to. Philadelphia, even when playing poorly, finds a way to win. That's what the great teams do. Yeah. And so right now, yes, as of uh, you know, uh, 10 games in, Philadelphia Eagles are absolutely the best team in the NFL. That's a good answer. I think you're right. Memphis, the final one here. Memphis Tigers basketball will win the battle for Atlantis this week. Is that cap or no cap? <sighs> Well, the whole thing. We know the history. Uh, It's been two thousand since two thousand thirteen that Memphis won one of these early season tournaments. Uh, That was the Old Spice Classic, which is essentially the the same event they played in last year. They've changed the name to the ESPN Events Invitational. We remember what happened: the off the backboard shot by Seton Hall. You lose the first one. You end up playing Nebraska and Stanford. This week, it could go similarly. This Michigan team right now, I know they're three and one coming Mm -hmm. off that loss to Long Beach. uh, Long Beach, but um, listen, this is a game that Ken Palm's got as a one-point game, and I imagine when that line comes out tomorrow, this is something John would be talking about from you if he wasn't in Aruba. It's going to be about a point or a point mm-hmm. and a half. Close. Ken Palm's got it as a one-point Memphis win. Memphis desperately needs this one. I told you I'm, I'm a little bit concerned because now you know you've got a Michigan team that's on high alert coming off of a loss. You don't have one that's getting the big head, thinks it should be ranked, that kind of thing. So whether it's Phil Martelli, uh, who had been serving as interim head coach while Juwan's out uh, for a health issue that – uh, the word was he was going to be back for the Battle for Atlantis. We'll see whether it is, whether Timmer or Jawan Howard, they're going to be on high alert again coming off of a loss. Memphis cannot afford to get into a situation this year when we've already seen that that Missouri win doesn't, isn't right. as quality a win as it was because, again, Missouri goes out and loses to an 0-5 Jackson State team. You need opportunities. You need quad one opportunities. And losing to a Michigan and having to likely face a Stanford Brad, in the second round instead of an Arkansas team that, yes, too, is coming off of yeah. a loss to Greensboro, but is still ranked 20, still uh, higher at Kim Palm than you are, 29-30. You need those opportunities. And so it's so important, again, that Memphis uh, comes out with a win tomorrow, uh, that game 4 p.m. against Michigan. Uh, again, I have not seen that. I suppose that line will come out at some point today. But Ken Palm's got it as a one-point Memphis win, so I imagine it's going to be around a point, point and a half. Uh, I would... Do they give Michigan the old Big Ten lean or whatever else? Maybe they do at this point. But I, 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 from what I've seen just by my eyeballs, I would favor the Tigers. We'll see how it goes. I'm, nice. I'm on Ken Palm's side here. But, again, Brad, even if you get to that second day on Thursday on Thanksgiving and you're playing uh, 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 Arkansas and you lose, mm-hmm. that is still more of a quality game 
right, than, than it would be if you're playing a Stanford in there. So that's why I just, as urgently as we were talking about uh, uh, Missouri and how much Memphis needed that win because it was gettable. And we saw it in terms of what it did for him analytically. You're right outside the uh, AP top 25 at 26. You know, it's it's still a, uh, right now, I think probably going to be a quad two for you. These are going to be opportunities, though, that hopefully stick this week. And uh, if we're going back to whether or not Memphis can do this, listen, the, the, uh, the, the program history has not been good of late with this. Like we mentioned, Josh beat, what, Sienna, Oklahoma State, uh, Siena, LSU, Oklahoma State back in 2013, last time you won one of these. Uh, and remember, too, if you get past Arkansas in the second, in the second round, you're likely going to face a possibly a ranked North Carolina team uh, in that, in that, in that uh, championship game on Friday. And so I'm going to go. They don't win it, but they go 2-1 and one and get to the championship all right. game. All right. I would take that. I mean, you're going to get and, back, You would take helpful. that all day long yeah. with this with this non-conference mm-hmm. schedule. I think you go 2-1, and one, you finish runner-up in the battle sure. for Atlantis. I just I, I, I could put on my homer hat and say, yeah, Brad, they're going to But, but yeah. I, I look at program history. I look at everything else. Uh, here's the other thing. Michigan's won this. Yeah. They won it in 2019 uh, in Jawan Howard's first year. Mm-hmm. So they got some experience going down here and winning this. Just a crucial game for the Tigers on Wednesday because, again, you talk about Fred Smith and how he sort of unlocked the facilities conundrum. Michigan, a win there, unlocks more opportunity. Again, you do not want to be on that consolation side like you were last year in the ESPN Events Invitational. So hopefully for the Tigers, it's at least a two-in-one yeah. holiday week down in the uh, down the Bahamas. I guess our boy John Martin will be watching from uh, Aruba. Another We're, destination. We, we've got work to do here, do here locally while John Martin's sipping on uh, fruity drinks. When we come back, we'll <laughs> talk to the great Jessica Benson of uh, Grind City Media. We'll talk to her about these injuries for the Grizzlies uh, holding up through this storm. Uh, now Kennard Tillman out for an extended period of time. That's the latest. I mean, we hadn't even talked to her since Marcus Smart, since we got that news that he's going to be out three to five weeks. So what do you do now? How much did we like what we saw from Santi? And uh, can you hold it down over these next 12 until John Morant gets back? We'll talk about that with Jessica Benson when we get back. You're listening to Jason and John, 92.9 FM, ESPN. Jessica Benson is the host of the Jessica Benson Show with CJ Hurt at GrindCityMedia.com. She's also a host of the Grizzlies pre- and post-game shows, which you can hear right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. You can follow her on X at JessBensonTV. Uh, Jess, we could start this real dreary and talk about all the injuries the Memphis Grizzlies just can't seem to get away from. Um, seem like another body drops every day. But first, first, let's on a sunny note, how about old Fred Smith coming on through? A day of celebration, yeah. Jason. Don't you feel like you should just go FedEx someone a gift for the holidays? Seems I kind of like do. Time. I kind of do. I know. I kind of do. I use FedEx. I use FedEx every week. One of my clothing rental services uses FedEx, and I'm just next time I send it off, I'm just going to give it a little kiss and say thank you, FedEx, for your existence and your help in this matter. I think that's an appropriate thing to do. Doesn't it feel like this is a nice little first step in everybody being on the same page and us looking one day at FedEx Forum? updated with beautiful renovations and Simmons Bank, both done the same thing. Everybody gets, gets what they want. Oh, I can't wait for those. I, I'm a sucker for renovation drawings and renderings mm. because they're always so fun to look at. But I think you nailed it with it's a great first step, yep. right? Like, yep. And that's the thing. It's a huge step in the right direction, and that's something to be celebrated because it felt as if this – stadium debacle was at a bit of a a standstill and it didn't feel like there was much movement going either way. And so seeing the comments made by 
Jason Wexler, the president of the Grizzlies, publicly supporting this this morning. Uh, obviously, the comments from the University of Memphis going to be in full support. Mayor Paul Young has now said he's in full support of this project. All of that is good news. And while there's still you know, work to be done, Grizzlies still have at least to get done. The university has $50 million to raise. Paul Young might need to take a couple trips to Nashville to ask for some more money from the state. Yep. But ultimately, everyone gets to look at FedEx as as a helper. And that's what FedEx has been so many times. Like it's a, a beacon of success in the city, a fortune 500 company, a company that was huge in the Grizzlies moving to Memphis in the first place. And that's what has turned this discussion of who deserves it more into more of a solution based uh, way moving forward. And it's no secret how important the Grizzlies are to Memphis. And they are the entity that always could have the the ability to leave. Do I think there has ever been a true threat of them up and leaving? No, but in comparison to a university that solely exists in Memphis, uh, the argument can certainly be made. And now you have at least a path moving forward where both entities feel as if they are being taken care of. And I think something that you know isn't going to draw the biggest of headlines in this story, but is of so much importance if it does ultimately get done, is if the university gains control of the stadium. Like, that's Big. huge. This city has a proud athletic department with goals of not getting left behind and a critical piece moving forward could be the university simply having control of the place where their football team plays its games. And and that's just so big. And, you know, University of Memphis is so important to the city, equally important in my eyes. And having the opportunity for them to to see a win in this situation um, is just something that let you feel a little good going into Thanksgiving. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because if it does get, we do get to a point, I know there's been a little bit of back and forth on this since the initial reporting, but if we do get to a point where the University of Memphis is in control of that stadium, um, that changes so much in terms of possibilities and opportunities for them, and we know what their ultimate quest is in terms of getting to a Power 5 conference, all that kind of stuff, but but, uh, as it relates to the job that Mayor Jim Strickland has done and going out with a big ask, right, uh, uh, seeking the money from the state in the first place, if it gets to a point where also that this plan gets to a point where you're transferring over city control to Memphis, he's got to get a lot of, you know, we, I know we give Dr. Uh, Dr. Harrington a ton of credit, you know, for helping get the Grizzlies here. That was during his tenure. I mean, if, if, if Strick gets this done, I, and I know Paul Young still got work to do, still got to go back to the state. But don't we have to give him a ton and a ton more if Memphis gets in a spot where it's got control of that stadium? Oh, absolutely, and especially if Memphis gets to a spot where it's not ultimately left behind and whatever yeah. whatever the end game is for conference realignment. And that has been a critical piece of the Memphis athletic story for years now. Right. Since the early flirtations with the Big 12 to getting passed over time and time again to not being like an SMU who can pay its way into the ACC um, it's now sitting in, in the American and wants to hopefully be in a position where if there is a day where, you know, the country of college football breaks off into the, the haves and, and the have-nots really are left behind, Memphis can't be at risk of being one of those schools that gets left behind. And the stadium has been such a, a pivotal, you know, piece of that that bigger picture for them. And so, yes, you give uh, Mayor Jim Strickland and the relationships that he has fostered and worked through. I mean, it's a really tricky situation. And so that in, you know, concurrence with getting a really nice gift, the biggest gift in University of Memphis history uh, from Fred Smith and FedEx. I mean, there's a lot of accolades to go around if this, as it looks to be going in the right direction. Um, There's a lot of people who should be praised for making this happen in Memphis. All right. What do we make of the Grizzlies' chances now with this news uh, in the wake of now after Marcus Smart's injury news? You know, we get the news on Kennard and Tillman uh, that they'll be out for an extended period of time. 
Um, chances of salvaging this in a way that's still enough wins over the next 12 uh, to, to, that when Ja comes back, you're not in so far a hole that you can't make the playoffs. How are you feeling right now, even though what body's down? I did make the point, you know, nice to see Santi step up and finally get some production. Where are you at just in terms of salvaging, you know, the, as much as you can out of these next 12? Well, you're at the point where you're schedule watching and see other injuries pop up around the NBA and say, hmm, that might benefit the Grizzlies. I know Jaden McDaniels went down for the Minnesota Timberwolves last night, and he's been a critical piece of their defensive efforts, especially this season. I don't know. It's hard to feel overly confident, but the one thing you can rest on, and I guess it's more importantly, two things you can rest on is there have been three players who have played in every game for the Grizzlies thus far this season, and they are David Roddy, and no offense to David Roddy, but he's in a different category than Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain. Yep. And they have been awesome, and especially Desmond Bain has just been consistently the best number one option for this group, which he already knew he was going to have to be uh, with John Moran's absence, but that's just been highlighted further with all of the injuries around him. And so if he's on the court, you're at this point where he plays well enough, and if Jaron Jackson Jr. is right up there with him, uh, playing well enough as a duo, they'll continue to compete. And it does help having someone like Asante Aldama emerge and being utilized mostly out of necessity of filling, you know, that starting wing position, but having the, even just having the creative ability to be like, hey, our power forward could get hot, could be a great, you know, three-point option for us. Oh, look, he's going to go make six threes. We shift him into that role, and it allows the Grizzlies, as the case on Sunday night, to compete against the best team in the NBA. A lot of people looked at that Grizzlies-Celtics game and assumed it would just be a blowout. Like, the Celtics are going to show up like that big old AAU team that shows up just looking bigger and better and better and stronger than, you know, the little scrappy team that comes in and can't do anything. And instead, we got an idea of, you know, what it used to feel like for the the next-man-up mentality. Now, the sustainability of that, uh, gets tricky when you look at you know a rivalry in the Grizzlies versus Dylan Brooks playing out tomorrow in Houston. You get the Suns. We'll see if you know finally seeing the big three perhaps with Beal and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, and then you get the Timberwolves, and then you get the Jazz, a team that's gotten the best of you twice, and the Mavs, the Suns, the Mavs, the Rockets, the Rockets, the Thunder. And there's just not a lot of breathing room for the Grizzlies in this stretch of games as they continue these next 12 without Jaw. Um, but I don't think all hope is lost, and at least you looked at the game against the Celtics and the second half against the Spurs. It looked like a competent basketball team, and yep. I'll take that. Like It was a fun team to watch for a game and a half. Are you, you mentioned the matchup with Dylan Brooks in Houston tomorrow. Are you expecting a, 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 a nose-to-nose type confrontation between uh, – him and I'm guessing it's going to be Bane. Uh, it's got to be Des, right? Yes, because I'm going to tell you what I think. I think when okay. Dylan looks at Desmond Bane, he says, "That's that's me. You in my spot, right? This was a big <laughs> three with me in it before you got here, before you got good, before you know they hit on you, and that's my spot, and that should be my money. So I got a feeling Dylan Brooks is going to try to take it to him, uh, particularly on Wednesday. What do you think? I think you need to hope that Dylan Brooks wants to take it to the team offensively. Like, that's the best. The best bet is that Dylan reverts to, I don't know who this new best. Yes, Yes. exactly. Who this new, like, oh, I'm just distributing, only taking good shots, (laughs) highest three-point percentage in the NBA. No, you want him to go back to trying to play hero ball and be the person who annihilates the Grizzlies. And to be fair to Dylan, like, he, this is kind of a trio of matchups for him this week of his biggest rivals. Like, he gets LeBron and the Lakers again. And LeBron James scored 30-plus. He gets Steph Curry and the Warriors. And I get that Draymond Green, uh, the director of the dynasty starts after Dylan Brooks wasn't on the court. Uh, But Steph goes off for 30-plus. Now he gets 
the Grizzlies and they're a wounded version of the Grizzlies and Desmond Bain is the the best option out there. I think he takes the defensive assignment incredibly seriously and it should present some fun for people to watch on Wednesday. Uh, But I think if you're Memphis, you just hope that Dylan goes in, like something just triggers within his soul where he says, I've got this. I'm going to put this team on my back. And that leads to the demise. You you mentioned Santi having to step up uh, out of necessity. How sustainable do you think what he's doing now in terms of level of of play is a realized opportunity could change as this team gets healthier. They start figuring things out, but just, you know, 28, 12 and six, uh, and the last time we saw him out, realized he had that three, he was frustrated by it, didn't hit against Boston. But it just feels like there's this chance for him to take that step up we all hope for, you know, FIBA, Santi, whatever you want to call him. How sustainable do you think it is from him? Right, and, and your hope is that I think some of that confidence gets fueled within him when he has the opportunity to start, right? Mm-hmm. Like here he's put into the starting lineup. Everyone has an ego in this world. It's no secret. And so you might perform a, a little bit more of a, an alpha mentality when you're inserted into that starting lineup. The hope for the Grizzlies down the road when, knock on wood, fingers crossed, health is a little more short up. Santi can be a great bench unit leader. Absolutely. And when you have that coming off the bench, then suddenly your depth isn't in question and you don't need him in the starting lineup, but he's an awesome you know, sixth or seventh man for you along with bringing Luke Kennard back into that equation too. So I just think we've seen trickles of this from Santi, and now the the next step for him is stringing these games along consistently. And, you know, that that very well could happen. This is his third year and having the opportunity to have a little bit more authority. We saw it last year even, you know, in the necessity of him filling in for Jaron early in the season at the four when Jaron was injured last year. And so he has accepted these moments where more has been called upon him. Uh, I love the the trickery. I love the passes, but like maybe just shore up some of those and don't always try to shoot for the moon with the highlight reel and keep the ball uh, safe and sound. Yep. We're talking with Jessica Benson of Grind City Media and the Memphis Grizzlies. All right, turning it now to the NBA at large, are you Boston's best team in the league or Denver's best team in the league, or is it somebody else in terms of that setting the standard for you right now? Uh, Boston's been setting the standard for me since they had that game against the Sixers where they were down Jalen Brown, they were down Kristaps Porzingis, uh, and they still came out with a win. And that was ahead of their you know matchup that they would eventually have in Memphis. I, I saw a lot of Celtics reporters say that the game against Memphis, and this isn't going to make Grizzlies fans feel particularly well, but that was the first time all season that the Celtics had played down to an opponent, mm-hmm. um, and they have done a pretty good job of challenging. I will say they did it again last night where they lost to the Charlotte Hornets. So maybe dubbing them the definitive best team in the NBA uh, was a little premature. That's the fun of this part of the season when everyone's played less than 15 games. Um, But I think what the Nuggets have been able to get without Jamal Murray has been impressive. And at this point, uh, it's enough of a sample size that you can see true sustainability for them. You know, at 10 and 4, tied for first in the West right now. But they got a big win last night over the Pistons, despite Nikola Jokic getting ejected from that game in the second quarter. Another just dummy ejection for a star player but to see how reggie jackson has really stepped up in jamal murray's absence i think has been incredibly promising uh for the nuggets and you know between him and contavious caldwell pope and aaron gordon uh they're working as a unit there christian brown has been big for them off the bench too so i would put you know the nuggets in the west and the celtics in the east and everyone else kind of falling in line but there's been really just really high-level basketball being played uh, between some of these teams. Like, I've been so impressed by the Minnesota Timberwolves, and I can't wait to see that game uh, with them in the building on Sunday. Uh, Two college football questions for you, Jess. The first is, 
Memphis, now, you come off the loss to SMU, you're 8-3, and three, can still, you got a chance to win 10 games for, I believe, it's just the fifth time in school history. Ha- has enough progress been made, Jess, is the way I guess I would frame that question. How should we be feeling about Memphis football in this place that it sits? Uh, I think this is my least favorite question in Memphis sports at the moment. It's tough. And it's just going to, it, it's so hard because there's no, it's tough because there's no clear answer, right? Like, by all means, eight and three should feel good ish. Um, it should. And listen, I'm, it yep, should, exactly. But, yep. it, but it doesn't. And and a part of it is because of the competition level in the American and going into this year, you know, here you don't have to fight against the Houston's, the Cincinnati's, the UCF's of the world anymore. This should be Memphis's conference to dominate, and they won't be a representative in the AAC championship game. And every time they have faced a team that is good, they have played just poorly enough to not get over the hump, be it SMU this past week, Mizzou, Tulane, those are your three losses, and then you're able to come up with wins against the, you know, quote-unquote inferior teams that you're facing throughout the season. And so it creates this this level of just uh, – the only thing worse than feeling really bad about your team is feeling agnostic about your team. And I feel like percent. that's where the Tigers are at at this point. And so eventually you have to figure out, like, is the – is the team built as it is under Ryan Silverfield and what he's been doing? And I've made it perfectly clear. I, I love Coach Silverfield. I think he, you know, he's an outstanding coach and leader and has been in a position where um, it's been hard to take over a program that reached its, its highest heights under Mike Norbell and the year in the Cotton Bowl. And it will always feel like you're chasing uh, that kind of like fantastical success. Um, but ultimately, Memphis wants to feel better than it does. They want to feel something. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm afraid that they feel nothing. And that is just a really be bad place for the University of Memphis football team to be at right oh, now. I could not agree more. It should be feeling more than what you're feeling now. There should it shouldn't it shouldn't be empty uh, with a record like this. So uh, let me ask you this last one: uh, uh, Saturday, eleven o'clock. Which side you lean? Ohio State, uh, Michigan in this uh, this Big Ten battle. Oh, I gotta take begrudgingly Michigan. I'm so they are not America's team. Nope. They are just Michigan dealing with a significant scandal. And this game will have all the eyeballs upon it. Uh, but I do think Michigan is a better-built team at this point. Uh, I, obviously, the emotions will run very high for both sides. It should create great theater in the sport of college football. But I am really intrigued just from the standpoint of um, all these 11-0 and teams still. You have you know, five 11-0 and teams uh, going into this weekend. Yep. And that's a really intriguing place for the college football playoff. And so Michigan-Ohio State will determine, assumingly, who could be the representative from the Big Ten there, but how things play out with Georgia and Washington and Florida State without Jordan Travis now, and then looking at teams lurking like in Oregon and Texas and Alabama. Um, I'm very, very intrigued going into this weekend of college football, but the the biggest game is undoubtedly Ohio State-Michigan. It's going to be wild. I so wish that Mike had Jordan Travis. I, I hated to see that situation. We, we talked a little bit about it yesterday, and – it just feels like, and Brad made the point, this could probably get all figured out on the field. I, I've heard a lot of people picking Florida uh, this weekend. Maybe right. it does, but uh, you think ultimately when the dust settles, they're the one of the ones that's out? I mean, that's, uh, between Florida and Louisville, who try as they might, Louisville somehow is still 10-1, and one, um, despite nearly losing to Miami, despite nearly losing to Virginia. Uh, they've had a lot of close calls this season, but it does feel as if Florida State still is built, and I, I have been 
more down on Florida State this season than others. Okay. And, I, I mean, I don't know why I should be high up. Their running back's name is Trey Benson, like, of relation. Just kidding. Uh, but I do think, for me personally, even looking at it, like, if I was a committee member, I could not in good faith keep Florida State out of the college football playoff if they went out just right. because they don't right. have Jordan Travis. Like, I know that, that that door is open for that to happen, but that just feels really icky to me. And so I think as long as they take care of business against Florida and against Louisville, by all means, they will be one of the four teams in the CFP. That's it. I mean, if they take care of business, they should be there. Uh, no question yeah. about it. Jessica, you're always there for us, and we so appreciate oh. it. Thanks, guys. Yes, she is Jessica Benson. Check her out weekday mornings on the Jessica Benson Show with CJ Hurt, GrindCityMedia.com. Follow her on Twitter at JessBensonTV. Thank you, Jessica. There is so much more uh, we've got to get to, including what the Pittsburgh Steelers have done. We talked about the big opportunity starting tomorrow for the Memphis Tigers. Grizzlies trying to get through this injury news and get to Houston tomorrow. So a lot more to break down. Fred Smith, thank you. We'll certainly revisit and reset that news. Fred Smith's $50 million donation to the facilities projects going on at FedEx. Well, this one is for Simmons Bank, but it unlocks. Oh, yeah. And unlocks both projects uh, in a way that certainly seems like, as Jess said, a great step forward into an amicable agreement between both parties. We'll talk about all that. Uh, then do the rundown at 12. Trist Crick coming up at 125. Stay with us. You're listening to J&J, 929FM, ESPN. I'm Chelsea Messenger helping you beat the books with Beck Duell. Minnesota and Golden State face off for the second time in three days as the Warriors host the Timberwolves. Minnesota won Sunday's matchup 116-110, to 110, their sixth straight victory. The Warriors have now dropped three straight games. Despite Sunday's result, the Beck Duell model likes Golden State in a bounce-back game. Their five-star best bet is to take the Warriors over the Timberwolves on Tuesday night. Bet smarter and beat the books with Beck Duel and download the BetMGM app today.